Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, a nice conversation with Tim Ryan, longtime sportscaster, born in Winnipeg. His dad was once GM of the Winnipeg Winnipegs back in the day. You'll find that conversation right here on the podcast. Let's welcome in our guest tonight, and that is longtime sportscaster, newscaster, born in Winnipeg. Tim Ryan joins us tonight. Tim, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Christian. Nice to be with you in my old uh, hometown, at least for the first three years of my life. And uh, minus two, that's actually pretty warm, isn't it, for this time of year in Winnipeg? It is. It's uh, We had a record warm uh, last week. We are definitely above average for this time of year. I quite enjoy skating outdoors, so this is not great for me because we haven't had the ice yet. The river's still going. <laughs> I imagine you were uh, you were too young to, to skate outdoors when you were still here? Yeah, just by a little bit. Uh, we, we moved to the east during the, the, the early part of the war years uh, to Ottawa, and then uh, on to uh, Montreal when my, my dad, as you know, his history is goes back to the Blue Bombers at the beginning. Uh, and then after the war with the Montreal Alouettes, so I was still a kid there. And I was probably had my, my first time on skates uh, in, in Montreal and then uh, a lot more when we moved to Toronto where I really grew up. So your dad, Joe, was general manager of three teams, Winnipeg, Montreal, and Edmonton, though I believe it was when they were still called the Winnipegs before they were called the Blue Bombers. What's it like being a kid of somebody who was working in football? Well, it, you know, it was probably something I didn't really understand much about until the Montreal days, obviously, just because of age, but mm-hmm. when well, my age. And, and when, uh, uh, when he uh, started the Alouettes up um, and they won a great cup in 1949, I... I have some memories of that time um, because I, I had a chance. It's a little memories pop up where uh, I can recall getting a chance to, you know, sit on the bench with the players during a, a game, a home game in Montreal and, uh, and having a couple of them come over for dinner occasionally. And uh, so, I, you know, it was kind of a, a thrill for me at, at that time. And uh, I think I was obviously less informed about, uh, how my dad had started in, in Winnipeg and getting the Blue Bombers going. Yes, you're right. They were uh, Winnipeg Winnipegs or something like that um, before they became uh, the Blue Bombers. But he was the he was the guy who you know found a, a few wealthy people to get them started and became uh, the GM. And of course, he he won a couple of Great Cups at that time with uh, with Winnipeg. And I do remember when he won in in uh, 1949 with the Alouettes that. Obviously, lots of uh, celebrations, and as young as I still was, probably, what, eight, nine years old, um, you know, I do recall that. Do you think because your dad was in sports, did that maybe steer you towards wanting to have a a career broadcasting sports? Is there a connection there? Well, probably, although I wouldn't have recognized it at the time. You know, another thing that that my father did uh, in the time of the you know, just after the 29 depression in, in, uh, in North America and around the world, really, uh, he was, he, he had several jobs in Winnipeg. <laughs> he certainly didn't get money, if, if any, much if any money from the early days of the blue bombers, but he had been a sports writer among the things he did with the Winnipeg free press. And, and I think also with the, uh, with the Tribune at that time, uh, well, not together, but I mean, in, in, in his few years as a sports uh, guy. So, um, I guess some of that rubbed off on me, but frankly, when I went off to college from Toronto days uh, to uh, Notre Dame, I, I was wanting to be a newsman. 
Um, I was working summers at the uh, Toronto Star, and uh, that was kind of what I was aiming at when I went off to college to be a, a news reporter. Uh, but of course, I had you know sports were in my blood, and you know I, I played some high school hockey and football at uh, at, at Dallas Allen, Toronto. wasn't any good at any of them, but um, you know it was in my blood because of my dad. Um, and I once I heard about CFTO going on the air, the first television station, uh, you know, the private network beginning of CTV. Uh, I got a chance to uh, audition for it with a tape and uh, got hired. So I've kind of steered myself away from the job that was waiting for me at the Toronto Star News. And uh, although, having said that, when I wound up a few years later in New York, um, I was uh, a news anchor for a couple of years before going full-time into sports. Do you think having a news background helped you at all in anchoring sports, or was it just something you did? No, I think absolutely. Um, You know, I, I can recall when we weren't all still, um, you know, writing uh, by hand, <laughs> that when I would get uh, letters over the years, in the early years of my career, from young guys who wanted to be uh, in my business as a sports announcer, and they would ask, uh, you know, well, what's the what's the formula? And I'd say, well, there is no formula, uh, because so much has to do with luck and timing. But what I would encourage everybody to do is to be a good writer before you attempt to be a broadcaster. And and I think that that came from my time in the news side where I was, was totally writing all the time. And I, I still am a big believer in that. I think when I listen to sports announcers on the air, I'm, I'm, I can be kind of critical about how well they use the the language and that they're, you know, they're, uh, they're writing for the ear and not for the eye. And they're kind of two different things you have to, to consider uh, in that respect. So, yeah, I think my time in the news world, and I'm still a total news junkie. I mean, I, I dial around all of the network news in the U.S. and Canada, and um, and I'm I'm still you know uh, a junkie and, and when it comes to news. But yeah, I, I think it helped me in my career, and I think most of the guys that catch my ear, sports guys, I can tell um, you know that they've kind of taken the same route that I have, and I admire them. <laughs> So let me go through your resume. You called some games for the Maple Leafs AAA minor league baseball team, the Marlboros junior hockey team. You called New York Rangers games. You announced the NHL and NBC. You called Islanders games. You called NBA games, NFL, college football, basketball, skiing, tennis. Have I missed anything here? <laughs> well, yeah, I actually missed a bunch more, but I couldn't list them off the top of my head. Somebody else <laughs> it's a long list. counted them up and said, yeah, I think there were 30 different sports. Um, a couple of them were just kind of one-offs. I remember doing a skateboarding competition <laughs> somewhere <laughs> in California one time, and only because nobody else at CBS at the time knew anything about uh, skateboarding, including me. So they, I was elected. Uh, so there were a few things like that. I did a polo match one time. So those are, those are in the uh, in, among the thirty. But uh, yeah, the other the major sports, uh, I was very lucky to have a chance to uh, get a shot at all of them, and I enjoyed them. I enjoyed them all, and everybody said, "Well, what was your favorite?" And uh, I, I think uh, I would still go back to football, even though hockey was a big part of my career, and I you know I played a little bit in, in my school days in Toronto. Um, but I, I suppose it goes right back to uh, my father, Joe, that the, the football still sticks with me here. What's it like calling an Olympic event? Well, that has a whole different feeling to it. You know, you, 
you know, the I always felt um, that I recognized what these kids put into their, their efforts to get to be on an Olympic team from any country in any sport. You know, they're not going to make any money from going to the Olympics. They may make some money afterwards uh, if they're able to go into a, a professional sport. Um, a lot of the sports, you know, don't exist after the Olympic Games for a lot of athletes. Um, they may get some endorsement deals and so on. But uh, I've always admired the effort that these the young athletes from all of these sports uh, put into competing for their country, for for uh, knowing that it's all about the Olympic medal and mainly about competing. And, of course, that's what the Olympic Games originally founded on, uh, just the notion of, of athletes getting out there and competing against each other individually. Well before it was countries keeping track of their teams getting gold medals, and I think, unfortunately, that a little of that real feeling of the Olympics has been lost over the years and, you know, for all the usual reasons, including monetizing it. But uh, I, I, when I'm covering Olympic Games, and I did 10 of them, both winter and summer, um, I really enjoyed watching the efforts and the sincerity and the commitment uh, that the athletes in many different sports, and I got to cover, you know, several of them. I, I did ski racing and uh, in the winter games, and, and I did uh, one year of uh, rowing at the Beijing Games, summer games, and equestrian events in London and in Sydney. And um, so, uh, you know, I had a chance to not just be locked to one sport. Talking with longtime sportscaster Tim Ryan, and you're, you're from Canada. You worked a long time in the United States. So when you're calling the Olympics for an American broadcaster, do you have it's obviously going to be focused more on the American side of things, but are you often checking on the Canadians to see how they're doing too? Always. <laughs> and, you know, I, I got to meet some of the announcers who I would run into at the, at the various games and who were working for the, you know, CBC or whoever was doing it at the time uh, for Canada. And, and sure. And then one, of course, my, one of my ski partners uh, on air was Todd Brooker uh, for ski racing. And, and uh, we worked together a long time um, and, uh, you know, I, I was proud to be around a, a fellow Canuck and we'd talk about, you know, all things, all things Canadian and uh, we still remain very close friends and he was an excellent commentator and of course, one of Canada's best downhill racers. So, uh, yeah. And I, I, I would keep an eye on what was going on, you know, with certainly in hockey, uh, because I, I was asked initially at, during my CBS time, uh, the Olympic games in France, Albertville. Uh, they expected that I would want to be the hockey announcer and executive producer said, you know, well, I guess you're going to be doing hockey for us. Right. And I said, well, no, I, you know, we may not get another Olympic games and they're played inside. I want to be outside. It's a winter games in the snow. I want to do the ski racing. <laughs> so that's a true story. So I, I never covered hockey at the Olympics. It was only uh, NHL. So what was it like being a part of the, coverage of the uh, 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver and Whistler? Well, it, it was wet, as, as you know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it, it, made, it, made for, uh, it made for difficult conditions for the ski racers and subsequently for the quality of the races. And, you know, that's nobody's fault. The, the Canadians had done a great job in putting the games together for Whistler, and you can't control the weather. That's the one thing. And uh, But um, I, have, I have memories, again, of of appreciating how well the ski racing athletes were dealing with it, both on the men's and women's side. I was doing obviously the Alpine events and, you know, there were, there were many others on the snow. 
but um, you know, I was the alpine racing guy, and uh, again, they they were all giving it their all. But uh, certainly, one of my greatest memories of it was uh, that fortunately, on uh, the night of the gold medal hockey game, <laughs> I was not busy up at Whistler. <laughs> Todd and I uh, went down to watch that. Uh, we wound up in a in a, a beautiful. Uh, uh, executive suite box uh, sitting next to Wayne Gretzky's dad, and we got wow. to see uh, we got to see that uh, that thriller um, with Crosby scoring a winning goal. So it was uh, uh, that still obviously is, is my uh, best memory of uh, of the Whistler games, well the Vancouver games. But my time was spent up at Whistler, except for that beautiful night at uh, at the building in Vancouver. Absolutely. I think that's one of the top Canadian. Ask any Canadian, and they're going to say that if they could be in any building at any point in Canadian sports history, they would have probably said to be in that building the night that Sidney Crosby scored that goal. And for you to be there in a box with Walter Gretzky, did you talk to the great one's dad, or were you trying to, or was he just <laughs> like bit, an aura? Well, there were many other people in the box, and we were, of course, I forget even how we were invited in there. It was very, it was some company, you know, that had the box, and, and, uh, he was their guest as as we were, and uh, he was very intense. He was, you know, it, uh, I don't think he was terribly interested in, in us. Uh, you know, he's watching his son behind the bench, and uh, it, it was uh, it was fun the whole thing, uh, and of course it, it, an exciting moment, uh, and and fun for me because obviously it's great to work this, the events and be part of it, as I have been with with ten games, but uh, to be able to be you know, a Canadian that night where I was uh, watching that game and seeing, you know, one of the most historic finishes. Uh, so I could just be a fan. <laughs> it was great. So you also wrote a book on someone else's nickel about the uh, the events you broadcasted, the people you met along the way. Uh, why that title? Well, you know, I, my editor and I kind of, we didn't wrangle over it, but uh, we were, you know, we hadn't really come up with, with a whole bunch to choose from. And I, that had kind of been in the back of my mind because of when I, as I was reading what I was writing and got to the end of it, I, I realized that really the book is more about the, what a beautiful opportunity that I had uh, to travel the world and, and cover all of these events, which was giving me like a post-grad education and cultures and languages and cuisines and geography and the history and, uh, and I, I absorbed and loved all of that and was very appreciative of the fact that uh, that I had a chance to literally travel the world and it was on someone else's nickel. I could never have afforded to travel and make those same trips, uh, you know, on, on my own nickel. Uh, and so I said, you know, I mean, this happens to be the truth. Uh, so let's just go. With it. <laughs> a lot of people thought it was a little cheeky and so on, but uh, I think it's eye-catching too, I hope, and uh, that... Uh, uh, you know, people get it when they when they read it. That uh, I appreciated the fact that the business I was lucky enough to be in and enjoy and love so much uh, gave me the chance to see the world. Absolutely, it's a it's a dream job for sure, and uh, absolutely a, a ability to go anywhere on someone else's nickel. That's a a wonderful way to live. So that's the name of the memoir. You can find it. Tim Ryan is the author and our guest tonight. I appreciate your time tonight for this tim thanks for the conversation christian uh, my my treat and especially because it's uh, in my hometown my birthplace town of winnipeg all right take care tim okay thanks again
Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell. Or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?